If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of Blue Murder Club. My name's Carrie and I'm your host and I'm accompanied today by my fellow host and very good friend. Lauren, hello. Hello gorgeous, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, you? I'm good, thank you. Good. It's actually stopped raining for once, puts what you in a, a better mood. Day. Mm, nice Sunday. Nice sunny Sunday. Yeah, yeah, spring sprung. Thank God, it's been a while. God, it's been like the longest winter since the Ice Age, I think. It has. Officially, I'm sure that's scientific fact. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends said to me yesterday, don't you remember this time last year we were sitting in the garden it was warm? I was like, nope, <laughs> I can't remember anything but wet, cold and yeah, dark. Yeah, me too. For a long time. No, exactly. I've got an inkling of memory. I'm sure it happened, but I can't yeah. really fully remember it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, I know what you mean. I get bits and pieces pop up on my memories and that and um and it's like you know having easter in the back garden and things yeah. like that and you're like oh it's pouring with rain and freezing fucking cold yeah one year for easter i remember making my son a easter bonnet for his school he made it wink wink nudge nudge yeah and i burnt my nose oh, it was that warm yeah i've got a little sun trap so maybe that was why yeah but then the next year it snowed yeah it fucking snowed and i was like what the fuck Crazy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Never tell we stuff. No, I know. I think that's the beauty of living in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes. It does. <laughs> Keeps you guessing. What have you been up to this week? Oh, just had a bit of a hectic week. Um, not too much, to be fair. Went out last night, met up with a few people, but yeah, that's mm. about it. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, busy week. I've um, I've had to, I said, didn't I, last week, I've been looking for a job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've had a couple of interviews and whatnot, and Ooh. so it's been it's been quite tricky getting all this um, research fitted in around my day job, trying to find another job. <laughs> but this is my favourite thing, so I always make time for oh, it. You know, it's the there's always case as well, isn't it? So yeah, there's always time for a serial yeah. 
a serial killer. To be fair, I struggled this week. I'm I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like I'd started last week because yeah. I knew it was going to be big. And yeah. then the last two days mm. through like after work or whenever, I've just squeezed in as much as mm. I possibly can. Yeah, me too. That's exactly what I've done. Flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I've just watched as much as I can and listened to as much as yeah. I can. And I think just try and absorb it, really. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, this is a massive case. So, shall mm. we tell our listeners what this week's case is? Trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is the penultimate episode of our series. Oh, God. Which means we're up to series nine on American Horror Story 1984. Oh, great. And we Great picked... series, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. We've picked Richard Ramirez. Yes. AKA The Night Stalker. You've got a few other names for him, haven't you? Yeah, the Walking Killer, the Midnight Stalker, and the Valley Intruder. They're all terrifying names. They are. Yeah. Awful. And he's a terrifying guy. He is, isn't he? But he don't look it. He's, he's actually quite good looking if you don't look at the teeth. <laughs> yeah, um, he's... Um, do you not find his eyes are completely black? Yeah, but he's Mexican. Yeah. They do have black eyes. But, yeah. But, just... yeah. I don't know. I watched an interview with him yesterday... And he looked fine. You yeah. couldn't tell wh- really? what what a monster he was. He's just talking to the interviewer and he's smiling and personable. And that by then he's been to the dentist. <laughs> we'll come to that later yeah. on. But um, while we keep talking about his teeth. Um, but yeah, it's not often people like, like murderers and stuff are identified by the smell coming out of their mouth. No, that's <laughs> but this bad. It's bad. It's so bad. And he's, yeah, he's just. I think what stuck with me the most from this case is he had no MO, did he? Terrifying. He had none. He was just on a rampage. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me about, um, oh, what's his name? What, the other night stalker, Delroy Grant? No, he had an MO. It was all mm-hmm. old. Yeah. No, uh, what's his name? Israel Keys. Yeah. Because if his MO was so off, it mm. was just, and that's what scares me the most because it could be. Anyone, guys. Yeah, exactly. That's Anyone. true. Yeah. And he's fucking terrifies me. With Tim Bud- Bundy, we know it's a brunette. We've mm. other killers. He has a type. You know they've got a type. Yeah. But him, no type. Yeah, it was. He didn't didn't discriminate. No. All races, all ages. Yeah. Um, men and women, children. children. He, yeah. You name it, he just went for them, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And sometimes motivation was robbery. Most of the time it was. Yeah. But sometimes it wasn't. No. And you can see why it took the police a while to connect. So many cases. The crimes. Yeah. yeah. yeah 100%. Like you say, there wasn't a fixed MO. No. But yeah. It's a great, it is a really interesting case. I hope that you listeners are going to enjoy it. Well, yeah. we, me and Lauren have done our best to get our heads around it and hopefully it'll make sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, famous last words. Yeah, <clears throat> that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll be stopping and playing about a hundred times. <laughs> mm, might be a bit of editing. Yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> so we've changed things up this week, haven't we? Because you we usually have. like to dig around in the early life mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we thought, let's mix it up. Because you'd seen, there's a big, there's a really good do- documentary on Netflix mm-hmm. a four part of which you'd seen and said it's really good the oh, way they catch him at the end the capture was... is my favourite capture I think all time yeah I'm just throwing it out there all it, time it's so good, it good? it's just like justice. yes just fucking get in there yeah. mob justice it's yeah, brilliant it was just tear him to pieces yeah um, and so you were so like impassioned about it I was like well Sam, you do it I mean you're going to do it justice <laughs> let's swap oh don't say that like, yeah. famous last words again <laughs> 
<laughs> we'd say. <laughs> oh, don't. Yeah, but it was. It was fucking fascinating. Yeah. Well, you sold me on it. Oh. Just telling me about it. I was like, I've got to watch this show now. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So let's go back to, first of all, we're going over to the United States of America and we're going to the 29th of February, 1960. So obviously that's a very special birthday, isn't it? You only get one every four yeah. years. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Richard Ramirez was born in El Paso, Texas. Um, he was the last of five children to mm-hmm. be born, so he's the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was born to a couple called Mercedes and Julian Ramirez, um, and they were Mexican immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they'd come over from Mexico. When they lived in Mexico, Julian had like quite a high-powered job. He was part of the police force over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, but obviously when they've moved, like when they've immigrated, I think his status slipped and he oh. um, worked on a, he worked as a labourer on the um, train lines. Oh. Yeah, so he had also had a problem with alcohol. Okay. So he was well known to like, like be a very angry man, quite a, you know, subject to mm-hmm. bits of rage, that kind of thing. And um, so I just I was thinking about it and wondering if maybe there was a few contributing factors of like his social standing has dramatically mm-hmm. dropped, hasn't it? He's gone from being you don't get much higher in the community mm-hmm. as a policeman, do mm-hmm. you? To a labourer, which is quite a lowly kind mm-hmm. of thing compared to that. Plus, you combine that with um, they're, they're probably struggling for money. There's five children, mm-hmm. and he's not on the good wages anymore. And um, also, the alcohol just, yeah. just just fuels it, doesn't it? Yeah. So you can see it's just a recipe for disaster, mm-hmm. isn't it, really, in mm-hmm. that family? Um, by the time Richard was born, they call him Richie or Rick all the way mm-hmm. through. So forgive me if I change the names. I'm probably going to call him Rick <laughs> and Richie and stuff. You know what I've got isn't the head from The Walking Dead? Stupid little prick named Rick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that does apply to this fella. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he by the time he was born, his elder siblings were already at school. Mm-hmm. So he was spent quite a lot of time alone when they were at school. He was on his own kind of thing, mm-hmm. just him and his mum. Um, his mum had a job as well to make ends meet. She worked in a boot factory. Mm-hmm. And there's a few accounts I've read in a couple of different places that there could have been some kind of um, something going on, like congenital in the womb, oh. with the chemicals and the fumes that she was breathing in the boot factory. Oh, really? So that could be a bit like Rose West, really, yeah. before she was even born, even while she was in the womb. Wow. Sorry, he, Rick, mm-hmm. Rick was in the womb. Maybe already something was starting to go wrong. Wow. But who knows, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, see, that fascinates me, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's funny, isn't it? If, mm. if that had been the only thing... Yeah. Would he have carried on? Because yeah. it isn't. There's a number of other things that happen mm-hmm. to him as he gets okay. older. But um, but his brothers and sisters were not serial killers. Yeah. But they weren't exactly straight. Okay. Um, they but they were. Some of them were also They're not pillars of, of the community at all. Yeah, yeah. We'll come to it. But he weren't the only one right. that was a bit of a wrong one mm-hmm. in the family. So one day when he was a toddler. Um, his dad was trying to fix a fuel filter on his, mm-hmm. on his van or his car. And um, instead of fixing it, he made it worse. And, you know, it's like, like my dad, my husband, I'm sure most people can relate. If you if they're doing DIY and it don't go wrong, the swearing starts, doesn't it? And it's my favourite kind of rage. The tools get chucked across yeah. the workshop and they lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Well, Julian took it to the next level. He literally started headbutting the wall. <laughs> 
sorry. Until blood was <gasps> pouring down the wall. No. Yeah. In, and um, that's anger. As Rick re- recollects it, he said he felt the house was shaking because no. his dad. His dad was a big man. He was powerful, powerfully built, really tall. And he was just whacking his head against the wall because he'd messed up changing the fuel filter. And yeah, and he had this vivid image of all the blood on the wall. Oh, God. And the, the, t- the terror of it, the rage yeah. coming off of the adult. Must be awful. Yeah. Imagine he was, he was less than three years old. Yeah, that's, that's nice. happening. Um, luckily, Julian worked away quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So that was quite nice for the family when he was working away. They had a bit of respite from his tempo and his outbursts mm-hmm. and stuff. Bit of peace. Yeah. His his mother, Mercedes, I love that name. Isn't that good? I'd love to be called Mercedes. Reminds me of Glee. Oh, yeah. She's a brilliant singer. Have you seen Licence to Drive? That old 80s film no. with the two Corys? No. Um, who's, I think Heather Graham is the love interest and she's called Mercedes. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah, that's all, that's all I always think of. Nice. Um, so, yeah, his mum, apparently she was very tall as well and she looked like a model. She's beautiful. And I did look at some pictures of him yesterday because he's got really striking cheekbones, hasn't he, mm-hmm. Ramirez? Mm-hmm. And he gets it from his mum. So oh, you can really? imagine when she was a young woman, she would have been a knockout. Yeah. Beautiful, like high cheekbones, dark good looks, mm-hmm. really tall and mm. slim built, blah, blah. Um, and she was also a devout Catholic. So she'd take him to church with her and things like that. So he was brought up in the Catholic faith, believing in God and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, like I say, he was the youngest of five. He had a brother called Reuben, a brother called Joseph, a brother called Roberto and a sister called Ruth. I think Ruth sort of doted on her little brother. You find that quite a lot, don't yeah. you? Especially if the mum's working away quite a lot. Yeah. Um, when he was too young to go to school, his mum used to hire babysitters to watch him while she was at work. Yeah. And when he was about three, the babysitter that he had... Apparently she was a little bit lazy, couldn't be bothered to do her job very well. She just used to like sitting there watching telly. Anyway, he wanted the radio on and she said, oh no, I'm just watching telly, leave me alone. Mm. So he climbed up on the, um, the radio was on top of a chest of drawers. Mm. He climbed up the chest of drawers and they tipped on him and they crushed crushed him. And he was knocked unconscious for for 15 minutes, Lauren. Jesus Christ. That's a really long time to be unconscious for. yeah. Um, and that's why when you buy furniture from Ikea, they give you those little straps, don't they? Yes. To attach it to the wall. Yeah. To stop the furniture falling on your kids when they climb up. Yeah. Because kids like climbing on furniture, don't they? Yeah. Kids are terrors. They are. So, um, yeah, poor little Rick. He, um, oh, bless you. Thank you. Little sneezy bunny rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Christ, my, they must have been terrified. 15 yeah. minutes, that kid is still not come round. Awful, isn't it? He needed 30 stitches in his <gasps> head to put him back together. No. Um, so, yeah, that was a, obviously a very serious concussion at yeah. the age of three. Proper head injury. Yeah. In 1964, so he's only four years old now, Reuben, his older brother, is caught breaking and entering right. by the police. He gets arrested for it. Um, the dad, Julian, goes and picks him up from the police station and he gets, he takes to Reuben with a hose, like the metal end of a hose pipe, and he beats the shit out of him. Oh, he's, God. He's still a really proud man. He's like, you're bringing shame on the family name. I used to be a policeman in Mexico. Yeah. What the hell are you doing being a common criminal yeah. like a thief, breaking in people's houses? He was really angry, but he 
because of his anger issues and probably his alcoholism, he just went too far. And in the end, Mercedes had to step in between them oh. because he was taking it too far. And he did it right in front of the other children as well. Oh, so God. obviously R- Richard saw that as well. And he was age four. So that's another example of extreme violence. Mm-hmm. Not at him, but he's yeah. he's in the room of it. And, and it extreme must be really fear. scary. Yeah. yeah. Really scary. Um, so Reuben, he wasn't really put off by it. He carried on sort of being a petty criminal. Mm-hmm. He started stif- sniffing glow and things like that. Um, as years went on and the kids got older and more rebellious, the dad became more sort of like violent towards them. Mm-hmm. There'd be he'd be administering beatings to children and things like that. Um, so again, it's sort of like instilling fear in the kids, and yeah. it's not a very relaxing place environment to grow up. Uh, when it Richard, age five, this is this is giving me Fred Fred West vibes. Oh god! Because you know Fred West, he had a he got knocked out, didn't he? he had a mm-hmm. concussion, was in hospital for fucking ages because he was in a coma. Yeah. I think he eventually got better, got out, done it again, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Twice. <laughs> and you think this is happens yeah. here? So oh. here he is, age five. He goes to the swings with his sister. He sees her on the swing, and he just goes tearing along. Five years old, gets whacked in the head by the swing. Oh. And he gets concussion again, gets knocked out. Yeah. It's like there's two massive head traumas. Yeah. But one age three, one age five. And um, obviously he recovers from that, starts school. Age six, he's in class. Everything's normal. We said he has the first of um, a bunch of epileptic seizures. Oh. So yeah, he's had he's got brain damage now and he's got epilepsy. Wow. And from then on all throughout his childhood and his teens, he will intermittently have epileptic seizures. Oh, wow. Se- seizures. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I said seizures. What's a seizure? But yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these seizures he'd had visions and they were terrifying visions of monsters. He'd just see monsters in these visions oh. while he was un- under the seizure and he, after a while, he realised that the monsters wouldn't hurt him. They would frighten him, but they couldn't actually hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering whether this might be the beginning of his fascination with Satanism. Oh. Because he's very famously a Satanist, mm-hmm. isn't he, Richard Ramirez? Mm-hmm. So maybe as he grew older, he thought maybe these are like, you know, the pitchfork people you get in, <laughs> traditionally in yeah, hell. Yeah, The little imps and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. He was still a good boy. Mm-hmm. So he's still a good boy. He's quite close to his mum. His yeah. siblings are growing up, leaving home, and him and his mum are still really quite close. Mm-hmm. He goes to church with her and things like that as he's getting older. But his dad is terrifying the shit out of him. So from about age 10 or so, he starts sometimes sleeping out at night just to get away. Yeah. He sleeps. Very strange choice where to sleep. He sleeps in the graveyard. Oh, no. At age 10. Yeah, I don't like that. So already, that's not normal, is no, it? No, I don't like that. The Weird, thought of sleeping in a graveyard yeah, now scares the I fucking know. life out of me to a 10. Well, they do live in El Paso, so it's like it's hot all the time. Mm-hmm. They have about 300 days of sunshine a yes, year. Please. So at least it, I thought that. So at least it will be nice and warm. You know, yeah. at first I thought, oh, graveyard, isn't it cold? But then I found that out about El Paso. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it's probably just a bit like yeah. camping out. But still, graveyard is a weird place. Yeah. You think there'd be like a little woods or somewhere, yeah. a bit more friendly. Um, anyway, he does really well at school. He's really good with his grades and mm-hmm. he works really hard. And at age 12, he um, 
he gets picked to be on the football team at school. Oh. He's chosen to be the quarterback and his dad is over the moon. And this seems to be the thing that's going to bond him and his dad together. Oh. So his dad goes and watches him um, play football. While he's on the field, he has a seizure. Oh. So he's on the field playing American football and he goes into an epileptic seizure. Um, the coach just kicks him off the team. He says, look, I'm really sorry, Richard, but we can't risk you having these seizures on the on the field. Oh, no. We're going to have to let you go from the team. And so that was that, that short-lived sort of spell where mm. perhaps he could have had more normality yeah. and the support of his dad. And that's what I think anyway. So that seemed yeah, to be quite yeah. a big turning point because at that point he just gave up on school. He stopped brushing oh, his teeth. Oh, um, he apparently like start the day with a couple of cans of coke, like full sugar coke, but he would never brush his teeth. Sounds like a bit of a depression to mm, me. Yeah, that, that seemed to be like it really sent him into sunk in. Yeah, because yeah, he's given up. He don't care about getting grades or anything oh, like no. that. And him, his, him and his dad don't seem to have anything in common anymore. Oh no. Um, around about this time, oh. his older cousin Miguel, mm-hmm. um, who everyone called Mike, starts entering his life. So this is a point where the poor kid is like so depressed he don't even want to look after mm-hmm. himself anymore, can't be asked to work at school, and in walks Mike. Mike has just come back from work, um, <laughs> the fighting in the Vietnam mm-hmm. War, and he's a decorated Vietnam War hero. So he's got medals for what he's done out there, which when you find out what he's done, you're like, what the fuck are they giving him medals for? Mm. This geezer is also a serial killer mm-hmm. and a rapist and a torturer and a kidnapper. He's... Unbelievably evil. I was reading about Mike and thinking, he's fucking worse than Richard. Jesus. I don't know why Richard's so famous when Mike's worse, but um, probably because Mike did his atrocities in Vietnam. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, while he was in uh, Vietnam, he would, like him and apparently some of his platoon, they would kidnap and, like, rape and beat the local women. And... um, then they would murder them. Fuck's sake. Yeah, so it sounds disgusting. And he used <sighs> to take Polaroids of it as well. So oh, no. he came back with all these trophies. And, oh, um, no. And he used to cut their heads off as well. And apparently he shrank some of the heads. So I think that's sort of a way of preserving the heads. Mm-hmm. So he'd like violate them, beat them, chop the heads off. Oh, no. Take pictures of it all the while. Uh, you know, photograph it while they're being violated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything... Everything you can think of that is the, uh, the awful thing that a yeah. human being can do to another person, he does. Oh, God. And he he's loving it. So he goes back and he's bragging about it to his 12, so oh, 13-year-old no. cousin. Who's very impressionable, I'm guessing, at that age. Yeah, he hasn't got any role models mm. anymore because his um, elder brothers have left home. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I'm just going to turn that heat off. No, My eyeball's okay. melting. <laughs> I'm back. Um, yeah, so he relishes like telling mm-hmm. Richard all about what he his escapades in Vietnam, and he shows him Polaroids. Oh no! And most kids would would be horrified yeah. by it, but Richard is actually turned on by it. So he's starting to obviously go through puberty at that age, yeah. and he's linking very strongly in his mind sexual gratification with violence oh. because of what um, Mike showed him yeah. and told him and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, he he's all over it. He's not repulsed by it at all. He likes it. 
Yeah. And he feels sexually aroused by what he sees. Um, now, um, Mike, he's married and he's got a couple of children, but he doesn't, since he got back from the war, he's not really interested in integrating back into society. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to get a job. He's happy just to smoke loads of weed with um, Richard, which is a bit weird, isn't it? Like yeah. you're a grown man with a family. You want to just sit around smoking weed with your 13-year-old cousin. Yeah. But yeah. that's all he wanted to do. Yeah. He wasn't really interested in, in like, you know, being responsible so one day he um richard is at mike's apartment mm-hmm. um with the i think like the kid the two kids are there and they're just playing a game of pool mm-hmm. and just hanging out and um rick goes to the fridge to get a drink and there's a gun in the fridge and, he, and rick's like mike why is there a gun in the fridge yeah. <laughs> and mike says mm, i might need it I feel like I might need the gun today. Oh, no. So, um, Jesse, his wife, she gets in from the shopping and they start arguing straight away. They, they're they constantly, these, this mm-hmm. couple, it sounds like they're on the verge of breaking up. She's absolutely fed up with him just dossing and not getting a job. Yeah. And he is really angry with her. Oh. Get, takes the gun out of the fridge. <laughs> it reminds me of Friends when Joey puts the book in the Book in the freezer, the freezer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there's a book in the freezer and there's a gun in the fridge. Because <laughs> that's how we roll. Yeah. Um, yeah, he takes the gun out and he threatens Jessie with it. He says, you know, if you don't stop moaning at me, I'm going to shoot you. And she's full of bravado. She doesn't believe him for a mm. second. She thinks, oh, he's just showing off because Rich is here. She's like, as if you're going to shoot me, gun, then shoot me. And he just does. He no. shoots her in the face, point blank, <gasps> and kills her. Fucking hell. Yeah, spreads her blood and her brains all over the kitchen. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, right in front of Richard and their two children. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, it's pretty... No. Mm, it's horrific. It's a very violent act, obviously. And he says to Richard, look, can you just go home now? Don't tell anybody what you've seen. Just go home. So Richard goes home. He doesn't, he doesn't tell anybody what he's seen. And um, he obviously might get stunned for it, but he pleads insanity because of PTSD. He says he, sh- he didn't receive the correct amount of counselling for killing all of those Vietnamese women when he Fuck was me. in the army. Poor him. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So um, he basically, in my view, gets a, a slap on the wrist. They sent him to go to Texas State Mental Hospital, which again is like, like an open-ended thing, isn't it? Mm. If you get if you get diagnosed with insanity, you get sent for treatment. So yeah. it's not like prison; you've got to do twenty years. Yeah. You just get sent there, and you can spend the rest of your life there. Mm-hmm. Or in Mike's case, get out in four years. No, four years, Lauren, for shooting he his wife point blank well in the face. Then, yeah, yeah. How on earth? Like right in front of their two little kids That's, as well. Yeah, that is just crazy, ludicrous. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he got out in in four years. Um, after Jesse was killed, I think it was down to Richard and his dad to go and clean the mess up in the apartment and tidy up and stuff. Oh no! And Richard again, he just really loved it. He was fascinated with the fact that a person that he knew, Jesse, he knew mm. really well, suddenly was no longer existing really and he also got a bit of a kick about going through all of her stuff like sorting all her clothes and her possessions out he quite liked that so again he's only like 13 at the moment but you can see all these little things are drip Mm. drip drip building up and building up and you can see it's a trajectory yeah it's plain as day yeah so by now he um he's smoking marijuana Mm -hmm. and he's kind of giving up on school He's seen a murder in front of him. Mike has showed him, has been training him in combat skills. So he's showed oh, him how no. to kill people with a knife. He's showed him stalking. 
so he knows how to stalk no. how to like remain invisible while you watch somebody <gasps> he showed him a lot of stuff like that so he's kind of been training him that's to what i'm his. just thinking yeah it's literally a training training ground isn't it yeah, for yeah. A serial killer i can't get over it yes yeah, unbelievable isn't it um he was enrolled in um jefferson high school mm-hmm. but in the ninth grade he did drop out so I think that's probably about age 15, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, which makes sense. He just he just gives up entirely. Um, <laughs> one of his friends was on this documentary and he said, like, he, his breath was so disgusting. <laughs> He'd say to him, like, either brush your teeth or close your mouth. <laughs> oh, damn. Because <laughs> his teeth were all, were starting oh, to, like, to rot away oh. in his mouth. Um, yeah, so he dropped out of school and he starts experimenting with LSD. Right, and he starts getting into Satanism. Now you've got to imagine, this is a this is a kid that's got epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Whenever he goes into a fit and a seizure, he sees monsters. Yeah. Can you imagine what LSD does to that? Fuck it. It intensifies those visions. Yeah. So the monsters come out but like tenfold yeah. at him when he's on when he's tripping on acid. Jesus Christ. At age sixteen he gets a job at the local holiday inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his friends gives him the master key so he can then go and rob the guests obviously to feed his ha- his growing yeah. habit drugs so yeah now he's sort of graduated to petty crime right he gets sacked from this job because he gets in a lift with two little boys and starts trying to molest them mm. so they um that. they sack him and also this is even worse he's st- he um he sees this woman in the hotel mm. hotel guest and she he felt he finds himself attracted to her, mm-hmm. so he practices some of these stalking and stealth skills that he'd been taught. Oh, no. So he lets himself into her room while she's in the bathroom, hides in the wardrobe. She comes back out the bathroom and he pounces, he ties her Fuck up, that. and he he's just about to rape her when her husband comes back Fuck into the room, that. and her husband kicks like ten bells of shit out of him. Good, absolutely, like you would, wouldn't you? You'd cool. be fucking furious and frightened so yeah he gets absolutely filled in by this um victim's husband uh they bring charges against him obviously he gets arrested gets sacked big scandal Mm -hmm. big hoo-ha he's only like 16 17 at this point he's very young still and um they the couple they were from out of town they're on holiday and to be honest i think what happened they once it was all died down they've gone back home and they just want to get back on with their lives Mm. they don't want to come back and testify so all the charges are dropped against him yeah so in his mind, because that happened, he's thinking Satan is looking after me because I've just done that and yeah. I've got off scot Scott free. So yeah. I think Satan is looking after me. Oh God! Seriously, it's so weird, isn't it? Some yeah. people's minds work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he moves back. He moves in with his sister Ruth and her husband Roberto. <laughs> her husband is a peeping tom. Roberto. Oh. So Roberto goes out in the evenings and just stalks people, peers through people's windows yeah. and watches women get undressed. <laughs> and uh, Richard's like, yeah, I'll have a job of that. So he goes out with him. No. By now he's about 17, so good old Mike's back out of prison and all three of them go on a little uh, peeping tom You're adventures joking. every night. No. How can they be selfie? <laughs> Fucking three brutes running about. I've got here, they go peeping tomming together. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's the plural of a peeping tom? Peeping toms. <laughs> peeping tom I. I don't know. No. But yeah, fucking weird, isn't it? So all their members of that same family are all deviants. Yeah, I don't like that. How the fuck does that happen? Yeah. 
nature versus nurture there, isn't it? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Everyone, everything I've read, everything I'm looking at is like people saying, well, it's obviously nurture. Um, nurture. He mm-hmm. was made into mm-hmm. it. Were they all made into it? Yeah. Or have they all got something wrong something. in their brain where they like, yeah. you know, sexual violence and stuff? Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Or they're all from the same family, so perhaps they're all the product of that family. Mm. They've all been raised the same way. You yeah. just don't know. It's, no. a, it's a tricky web to unweave, and I, yeah. I'm no expert. Um, yeah, so uh, Rick moved in with Ruben eventually in LA, age about 20, 22. He used right. to steal cars as well, so now he's progressing from robbery, breaking mm-hmm. into in. He steals, he's a car thief mm-hmm. now as well, so he's still a car, drive to LA, mm-hmm. go back to um, El Paso. All that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he moves in with Ruben, who lives in LA. And that's when Ruben introduced him to cocaine. So, you can see it's a trajectory yeah. with the drugs, with the violence, yeah. with everything. It's all just growing yeah. from that little yeah. bit. And um, it's like, why would you introduce your little brother to cocaine? No, <laughs> no. family? They all just seem a bit weird. Um, and so, they both, to earn money, they go stealing. Mm-hmm. So, they do break an entry and then they fence the, fence the goods get, yeah. to get money that way. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, that's it really. We've got up to, oh yeah, when he's in LA, he discovers um, this book by Anton DeVay. Mm-hmm. And he's the founder of the Church of Satan. And he does attend a satanic ceremony. Right. And he, he calls his mother later on. He, he swears blind he was touched by Satan. So he's got Satan in him at this point. Oh, So no. this is when he's age 22. So this is like the early 80s, like 82, 83. So when the like. satanic panics that he's... Yeah, I think you're yeah. probably right, actually. Yeah. yeah. And he's living in Skid Row. Now, Skid Row popped <gasps> up in our Hotel Cecil, didn't it? Yeah. And so I'm really, the song again, sorry. Yeah, no, we could have, um, we could really have done Ramirez for the Hotel Cecil yeah. or something about the hotel because um, he did live there for yeah, a little while. He did. Yeah, he took rooms there because that's where people lived if they didn't yeah. have much money. And if he couldn't afford that, he just lived at the bus bus station, which wow. is where a lot of, or like in Cardboard City, mm-hmm. Skid Row, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And um, yeah, so that sort of brings us up to him, age twenty two, twenty three. He's just a Habitual thief, cocaine yeah. addict, teeth are very rotten, brown uh, they are, with holes in. he's just escalating, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's escalating. So, yeah, I think that might bring us up to where you've got to, Lauren. Yeah. So, the first um, official murder victim of the night store, Kai Richard Ramirez, was, uh, took place on the 28th of June, 1984. Mm-hmm. A lady called Jenny Binkow, and she was like she was seventy nine. Oh, poor, love her. poor love, lived on her own. Um, she she was quite poor. She didn't really have a lot of money or mm-hmm. possessions and stuff. So he's broken in, intending to rob her. And I think most people think that he's got so mad and cross that she hasn't got anything worth mm-hmm. stealing that he just like killed her. He stabbed her to Lost death his while shit. she was in bed. Yeah, so Jesus. she didn't even get up. She was just asleep in bed, and he's just stabbed oh, her to love death. Her. Um. Then that's it. He has a bit of a break, doesn't mm-hmm. he, for a little while? Yeah. Um, not sure exactly why, because this is 1984. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: that was the year that LA hosted the Olympic Games. Oh. Yeah. So they were like worldwide stage platform. Yeah. Look how great LA is, wow. and blah blah blah. And you've got this darkness lurking in the background. Yeah. But yeah. You get that in all big cities, don't you? you? Do. It's all gloss and veneer. Yeah. But you, you look little bit deeper and you can see the all the people that slip through the cracks mm-hmm. can't you and stuff like that yeah so yeah this was 1984 that he murdered poor jenny oh lover so 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, so I go on there, so as you say, a year later, I'm on March 17th, 1985. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a snippet, but bear with me. <laughs> a woman called Esther was shopping in a thrift shop and she spotted a man with picking up an ACDC hat, but she didn't know at that time what ACDC was. Mm. It's a rock band, right? Yeah. Um, and she just noticed this guy. And what she noticed more was uh, he had a t- devil tattooed onto his hand. Mm. And, and she just tried to avoid eye contact and left the shop, got in a car to drive home. Mm. And as she's driving home, these cars speeding up towards her, Kaz, and mm. she's looking around like thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. And she notices it's the same guy from this thrift shop wearing the hat mm-hmm. and he's giving her this right evil smirk and she notices his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> as if you're going to miss him. <laughs> Um, and she realises it's the same man and he's right grinning at her. Yeah. So Richard was on his way to um, this young two girls' house. So it, she was 22-year-old Maria and she was just turning into a house in a car, mm-hmm. in a garage, sorry. Drive, yeah, garage. Yeah. In a car. And she's just turning in and he's wait, laying in wait for us, stalking her. Like you said, he's learnt how to do it. Yeah. And he literally... Comes out, it's in Rosemead as well, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. And he comes in and he shoots her into the face with a twenty two caliber handgun. Christ. Um, and he quickly runs upstairs. And while she's laying there, like she's a bit dazed and that, she gets mm. up. She's mm. okay, Kaz. Because mm. as she's brought her hands to her face, mm. she's holding a pair of keys. Yeah. And it's ricocheted off of the keys, the bullet. Thank fuck, that was just, I couldn't believe that. Like that to me is just... One of them butterfly effects. One of mm. them, it was meant to be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? She's very lucky. Very, very lucky. So he's gone upstairs. So she's laying down like a bit in the days and that. He's gone upstairs and he fatally kills her roommate, Dal Yoshi. Dal was hiding. So you know the kitchen countertops? Mm-hmm. She's hiding below. She hears the bullet and she's literally just dropped and hid. But her hands were left mm. on the... Um, he could see her hands. He could see her hands because they're like 
she's bending over, but she's left her hands on the worktop. Mm. And she's like, come up to take a peek over. And literally, as she's done, he's just shot her straight in the head. Mm. Oh, so... Do you know what I did notice yeah. watching that Netflix documentary? Mm-hmm. They don't shy away from crime scene photos. They don't. I was really Gob surprised. Specs, yeah. I couldn't believe how graphic some of those yeah. photos were. I was Scary, really surprised. All they covered were the faces. Mm-hmm. They didn't cover no. the bodies. And, and that poor girl was just laying there. Oh. Yeah, that you could see her in the kitchen, like behind yeah. the counter, and um, like her legs are crossed, aren't they? And yeah. there's. It was like, She's got was, a white and blue top on. Yeah, this yeah. Okay. I was really surprised. I mean, mm. it, it was good for what me and you do. Mm-hmm. It really brought it to life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, perhaps they should put some warnings on. Before, yeah. I was really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria, hearing this noise, realizing her flatmate, she was walking away, mm. like well, running away, whatever, like but bit scared. She hears and like the gunshot realising her roommate's in danger yeah. she decides then to go through the front entrance thinking that Richard's going to go through the garage entrance like he had got in mm. so she thought she's in no danger they're going each way so but what happens is he doesn't he leaves by the front entrance and she comes face to face with him mm-hmm. now in that moment my heart would have dropped because I was thinking and he must be looking at her thinking why are you not dead I've shot you in the face <laughs> and she just holds her hands up like to him, mm. but because she shows no fear and he gets off, he's one sick puppy that mm. gets off on fear, he just slowly grins and walks away, Kaz. Yeah. Gives no fucks, just walks on. Mm. But I personally believe, oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I'll get on to that. I'm so sorry. So by this point, Detective Frank Salero, Salero, I'm so sorry, who investigated the hillside strangler was put on this case. Mm. And when he gets to the crime scene, as you say, there's loads of photos and all that. And what is in that crime scene, did you say? The ACDC hat that he'd bought that day from the thrift shop. Mm. Full circle there. Yeah. So I believe with him not killing Maria, he's still got that bloodlust. Something's not settled with him. Mm. He wanted two kills for some reason. Sank in his head's making him... Like he's missed out. Yeah, like he's missed out. Mm. So within an hour, Richard has found another victim, 30-year-old Sing Lang Yu, but she was known as Veronica also. So Richard had flagged her down, and when she pulled over, he pulled her out of the car in Montre Park Mm. and shot her twice. But I think that was a bit of overkill. I think Mm. it was just to make sure she was dead because he didn't want what happened to Maria to happen to... There was crime scene photos of that incident, weren't mm-hmm. there? There's like her, they didn't show her body, but her shoes were in the yeah. street by her car. Yeah, I think that in a way that was more poignant than yeah. seeing the body. Did you? Because he's dragged her out of the car. The shoes yeah, have off. The shoes fell off. off her yeah, feet. Like yeah. Just, just before he killed her. Yeah, yeah. Fucking terrible. But what came from that case was it was the same gun. So the police mm-hmm. now know something's going on, mm. and. Um, so they've gone to Maria, who's recovering in hospital, and begging her, saying, please, can you do, like, a reconstruction sketch? What are they called? Composite. That's it, composite. Yeah. I knew you'd know. Well, we forgot it before, didn't we? So yeah. I've memorised well it now. Well done. <laughs> so now the police have a description of the killer and a composite. Yeah. So she described the killer as a curly-haired, wide-eyed male with bulging eyes and rotting teeth. Mm. But... This sketch looks quite familiar to another suspect who attempted kidnapping prior to this. Yeah. But they're unsure at the minute. They haven't put the puzzle pieces together. So they know someone's out there that's hurting women. Mm. And they know that something, I think it was like a strangulation or attempted strangulation had gone on. And they had a composite of this guy. But again, 
they're not putting two and two together. They're not sure where to go from that. So yeah. that, so yeah. So at this time, he's up to three, I think now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, three killings, but there was the attempted murder mm-hmm. of Maria as well, mm-hmm. wasn't there? Um, did you have anything more on that one that they thought it was? They thought it was the man that they thought it was. I think maybe later, Dan. I'm yeah. not sure because um, I think they put him in a lineup, mm-hmm. and she she said no, that's not, oh, that's yeah, yeah, not yeah, him. Yeah. So they ruled him out. Yeah, they ruled he was him just out, like yeah. another Hispanic mm-hmm. guy who similar age group, mm-hmm. similar height, yeah. build, etc. Yeah. But when you look at him, knowing who they should have been looking for, yeah. they don't look anything they like each other. Alike, no, no, exactly. But no. you know, we don't at that point. They don't know. No, they're they? just grasping at straws, knowing there's like this maniac on the loose. Yeah, it's worth a punt, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so we move on to the 27th of March, 85. There's a couple called Vincent and Maxine Zazara. Mm-hmm. Um, they're asleep. They're asleep. It's, it's important to point out as well, even though now we're in LA, it's mm-hmm. still ridiculously hot in LA. It's very, very hot. We're only in March at the moment, but as we move on, it gets the summer mm-hmm. months, people leaving their windows open to get catch a breeze. No. And you don't want to fucking do that no. when there's a night storm on the loose. So usually he... This in this case, he's climbed in through an open window. Oh, what is it with me and windows? I don't like it. <laughs> it's like the other night stalker, the UK one. It really puts me on edge, Kaz. Horrible, isn't it? I don't like it. So Vincent was age sixty-four, oh. and I, he was asleep on the sofa. Right. So that's made me think it must have been a hot night because you know sometimes yeah. your husband will just go and sleep on the couch if it's a bit yeah. too hot, and he was asleep yeah. on the couch. Um. So as soon as the night stalker's climbed in through the window, he's seen Vincent asleep on the couch and just shot him dead before he's even woken up. Oh. So Vincent's out of the picture. Wow. Then he goes and finds Maxine and um, like he ties her up, rapes her um, and he kills her. Mm. He stabs her. Maxine's only 44, so I'm like, go Vincent. Mm. 20, yeah. 20 year younger Sugar wife. Daddy. Yeah, hey. decent, eh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, poor Maxine, she gets it so much worse. That it seems to be yeah, the case. He, he sort of like eliminates the man so he can focus on the woman. <sighs> um, so he, yeah, he stabs her, he rapes her and he kills her and then he takes her eyes yeah, out. Yeah, I know you um, And there's like crime it. scene pictures from that crime scene. So you can see a picture of Vincent dead on the sofa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxine, they cover her face, but you can see like there's, uh, she's badly bruised and stuff. He must have like proper laid into her before he killed her. I can't handle it. Because you don't bruise when you're dead. No, no. And all these crime scene pictures, they've got bruising on their feet and that oh, sort of thing. So She must have been, yeah. Yeah, it, it. it's absolutely awful. But um, at this crime scene, they find a shoe print, mm-hmm. which I believe was outside on the floor. Mm-hmm. That it had been raining or something, mm-hmm. and it was quite a clear shoe print mm-hmm. of the trainers that Richard was wearing. Um, yeah, so that's that's that case there. Mm. Um, so I think... So yeah. Next one. So now we're going to an Anastasia Horaz, a young girl. Richard was known. Uh, so Richard was known to this young girl, mm. and she was um, quite willing in the middle of the night just to leave her bed and go with him, like she was trusting in him and all that. So um, he comes and grabs her from her bed and starts driving around, and he goes looking now as they're driving, and he's pointing at the uh, glove box. Mm. And he's going, what's in there? Have a look. And she's opened it up and it's a gun. Mm. And he wants to scare her. He likes fear. We know he likes the fear on women's face. So maybe that's why he's um, Mm. beat the other woman. Do you know what I mean? Made him scared, so scared, because that's what he's getting off of. And then what he does is he pulls over and then he unzips a 
duffel bag, Kaz, mm. and says, get inside. And he puts this young nine-year-old in this duffel bag and zips it up and takes her into this dirty, dingy, fucking awful home. Um, and then he starts to sexually assault her, God love her. And what she does is she keeps saying, I need to go to the toilet, I need to go to the toilet all the time just to get out of the situation she's in with him. But it continues on and on and on and she thinks like there's going to be no respite from it. But eventually he decides enough's enough. And he, she said he looked like he was sorry that he was doing it to her, mm. which is fucking weird, isn't it? But he carried on doing it anyway. But he looked as if he was sorry. So anyway, what he does is he puts her back in the bag takes her to the car and takes her and drops her off outside a gas station and tells her to call her mum to come pick her up. So around this time, there's a series of child snatchings going on, being sexually assaulted and then dropped off to call their parents to come and pick them up. So they're not being harmed, like murdered, but they're being harmed by being sexually assaulted. And now, like, it's boys and girls as well, because there's no... Am I at the point? Like, as we can say, we've gone from young girls to an elderly couple to children. Mm. Um, yeah, so what was baffling police, and that they haven't put the two together at the minute, is there's been, at this point in time, no documented, anything documented for an MO, a murderer's MO, to change from children's sexual abuse and allowing them to live... Onto adult murders, murders. I said it's Scottish, <laughs> unintentional. Yeah, there's no been at this moment in time. There's been no one, you know, with the police. Um, oh my god, what's the series called? Because uh, la 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 la, making no. So anyway, profiling. There's been no profiling mm. on serial killers. Got there in the end yeah. um, of a man sexually assaulting kids. And then going on to kill adults, you know, letting kids live and not the adults. Yeah. So, um, by May the 14th, 1985, Richard goes back to Montreal Park where he killed the woman in the car. Oh, yeah. And he breaks into the home of William Doyle and he's 66 years old and he's got a disabled wife called Lillian and she's 56. So what he does, he gets in, does exactly the same as what he's done last time, shoots Bill straight away. Yeah. But Bill was literally reaching for a handgun as mm. he's been shot. So he's there and he's laying there again, just not with it. And then he just turns all his attention onto Lillian. He binds her, he rapes her, and then he starts robbing her. Mm. But God love him, William at this point has managed to get to a phone case and he manages to call the police. So the police were notified about this um so he's done this to try and save obviously his wife's life but bill dies of his injuries while in hospital yeah yeah so then uh, just after that there's another shoe print fan. can i just point something out yeah okay. yeah um he lillian was um she'd had a stroke Mm-hmm. So she was disabled mm-hmm. as well, just to point that out. And when he bound her, he didn't use handcuffs. He used something called thumb cuffs. Yeah. Have you heard of thumb yeah, cuffs? Yeah, I've seen them. They're fucking terrible. Oh, reminded me of that medieval torture mm-hmm. stuff I was researching before. Yeah. And she was so desperate to get them off that I think she pulled some of her thumb off. Like her, blo- her thumbs yeah. were absolutely pouring with blood bowl accounts when they when the um, ambulance arrived. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, yes, yeah, just luckily shocking. he didn't die straight away because otherwise she probably wouldn't have no. been able to. She was tied up. She yeah. wouldn't have been able to call for help. No. Lover. But yeah, I think the Night Stalker thought he'd murdered William. Mm-hmm. Oh he, yeah, he another didn't. one. He'd yeah. shot him with his point twenty two mm-hmm. caliber gun, which doesn't seem to work very well. <laughs> Thank goodness. But he does murder him because he dies, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, but not before he's yeah. managed to save his wife, so yeah. that is good. Yeah. So yeah, there was another shoe print from a sexual assault of a nine-year-old girl. So he's got this nine-year-old girl off the... Uh, Street, I was going to say, mm-hmm. but obviously not off of it, out of a bedroom. Taken her to a construction site, mm-hmm. and they had freshly poured cement. Yeah, and lo and behold, there you go. There's a shoe print in this freshly poured cement from, or well, we know he's um, Richard, but they don't mm-hmm. at the minute. So um, they realised it was a uh, well. They thought then because the sizes change from time to time. And so what Frank decides to do, the detective on the case, is then ask Jill Carano. Gil, innit? Gil. <laughs> I've done that a million times, sorry. <laughs> to pull him onto the case to start helping. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where we are at, at the minute. Yeah. The trainers were called av- avia trainers mm-hmm. and they're not very common. It's not like it was just a pair of night. Yeah. So just to point that out, obviously... If it was a pair of night trainers, mm-hmm. they wouldn't link it. But because these trainers are by this brand called Avia, mm-hmm. that's why they're starting to link yeah. it. I think one of the detectives, either Frank or Gil, at that point, he was pretty sure that these crimes were linked. Mm-hmm. But his superiors wouldn't listen to him because he's quite a young or yeah. rookie. They're like, oh, shut up. You don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. So when that footprint turns up on the construction site, mm-hmm. suddenly they've, they're like, oh, actually, you've probably got a point here. Yeah. Um, I think we're on something. This could, yeah. this could all be the same person. Because as you pointed out, it's um it's not exactly the same MR, is it? No, it's not Being completely not. Kidnapping kids and interfering with them to breaking entry, murdering. Murdering, yeah. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, so um let me have a look. So now we're on to the second of July eighty five. So it is red hot. I think it's like over a hundred degrees in LA at that point, which is I don't know what that is in now, probably about 35, 40 mm. or something. It's really hot anyway. Mm-hmm. And people are sleeping with their windows open. Quite a few of them, I think they had pets because he got in through like the cat flap or the dog flap. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, like, he'd lean in through there is and he unlock the door. Well, he's really skinny, isn't he? He can probably just fit in anywhere. <laughs> I don't even think my arm would get through a cat <laughs> flap. Perhaps he just breathed on the, on the lock and he just yeah. <laughs> disintegrated. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's another thing. There was the trainers, which linked him. Mm-hmm. But also, everyone who lived described him as having terrible breath yeah. and rotten yeah. teeth. Yeah. And they're like, well, to be honest, we couldn't put that forth as evidence. So we used the shoe print. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, yeah, so 2nd of July, 85. We've got 75-year-old Mary Louise Cannon. Um, she was bludgeoned with a lamp. And then she was stabbed and her throat was slit with a knife out of her own kitchen. Oh, God. So, um, poor thing, there was that yeah. one. And then, um, I think Carol. Yeah, so uh, by this time, yeah, so he tries to break into a couple's house where a police officer lives. Um, but they disturb them while they're sleeping. <clears throat> and what happens is he gets up and uh, calls the police straight away and they find a fresh shoe print from because they'd walked the wall, uh, flower mm. bed the night before. So the pl- police realise that all the fruit their footprints are there are from a Vanavida shoe and it was a brand new trainer at that time mm. 
So on the block, as you say, if it was Nike or Adidas or something, mm. I'm doing it American, <laughs> Adidas, mm. um, they would have had a lot harder pickings at it. Yeah. But because it's a brand new show app, they thought, let's, let's start tracking this down. So here's some facts for you. There was 1,356 pairs that were shipped to the US. They knew it to be a black show from the... Scenes. Well, they they guessed it would be black because he always dressed in black. Mm. Like all of the eyewitnesses said, he was dressed head to time black. So yeah. they presumed. Let's presume yeah. his shows are black as well. So that whittled it down to six pairs in the USA. Six pairs of size eleven shoes. Eleven black. and a half. Yeah, black Avida shoes. Avia. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. So <laughs> there's no D in it. <laughs> so what what happens then is five went to Arizona. Only one pair went to LA, so they think that's it, we've got him. However, that's where the search has to end because they have no fucking clue who's bought this one pair. They know the one pair's been bought, but they just don't know who buy. Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to help them catch him, but it will help them identify his mm-hmm. crimes. Yeah. Because it seems like he's only got one pair of shows. Yeah. And he always wears gloves, he never yeah. leaves fingerprints no. behind, so they can't link they can't link the crimes with fingerprints no. or MO, no. but they can link him with the shoes. So that's why the shoes are so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. So at this point, Richard breaks in and rapes a woman called Carol while her 11-year-old son is asleep in the back room, bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, it's just sad, isn't it, that kids are there playing part in the actual crime scenes. But he doesn't go as far as um, going in. He goes in and robs them. And then just runs off straight away. Yeah. So, um... He did rape her, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. raped her. Did I not say that? Sorry. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, by now, the police have three footprints, a police sketch, composite, and a few eyewitnesses. And right about now, Frank is on two cases. So, this really high-profile case and the Hillside Stranglers high-profile case. That had been solved by then, though. No, it's... It's getting solved now. So they've had 10 victims by this point. So he finally had a suspect and he arrested the Hillside Strangler just after Carol. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's <laughs> now... It must be it's such an intense situation, like a high-boiling zone, to have such two high-profile cases at the same time. Mm. Now he can turn and spend all his focus onto the Night Stalker yeah, rather than... Been, between the yeah, two, been yeah, between the two. So, yeah, over to you. Um, yeah, around about this time, there's a victim, um, a lady called Patty Higgins. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not an official um, murder victim of his, but she was stabbed to death, her throat was slashed, and an eyewitness did see Romero's leaving her house. Oh, no. But there wasn't any evidence to link him to her, so he was never tried for her oh, no. murder. But that was in June, uh, Patty. And then um, this was a really significant one. Yeah. So we've got 16-year-old um, Whitney Bennett. Mm. She's asleep in her bedroom with the, I think the window was open because it was so hot. And that was on the 5th of July. So it's only like three days after he's murdered Mary Louise. And um, he goes to her room and he beats her with a tyre iron. Oh, no. And then um, he goes to, he wants to strangle her. So he gets um, the cord from, I think it's from either like a phone cord or Mm -hmm. like a 
radio alarm clock, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he treads on it and yanks the cord. Yeah. And he goes to strangle her with it. And apparently, it, but from what he says, some sparks came out and kind of lit her up. So he thought, oh, I think, oh. She, I think she's touched by Satan as well. I'm going to leave her alone. No. Or the sparks put him off. He got frightened by the sparks. Yeah. There's two different accounts of what. But what either happens? way, he literally just leaves her for dead. Wow. But she does survive. She recovers. Oh, lovely. But there's crime scene pictures of her bedroom, Lauren. Did you see it? Mm. It's unbelievable. It's a bloodbath. Yeah. How it's... the fuck she survived, I don't know. No. Can you imagine being hit even once with a tire iron? Let alone Jesus like bludgeoned Christ. repeatedly and then having your neck like oh. by a cord. But when he's trod on her phone to pull mm-hmm. the cord, he's left a bloody footprint on the um on the phone. Yeah. Perfect perfect yeah. area soul footprint. So they know it's yeah. that she's a victim of his. Yeah. Um let's see, what have we got after Whitney? So on the twentieth of July, I'm at nineteen eighty five. Well I've got um Mabel Bell, who's okay. 83 years old, lived with her sister Lawrence Lang, who's mm-hmm. also in her 20s, uh, in her 80s rather. Um, these two sisters, they, uh, I think, don't think they locked their doors or anything like that. They were old school, they were quite trusting and they just let themselves let himself in and went to town on these ladies. Um, so he taped Mabel, she's 83, bear in mind, he Jesus. used electrical tape and taped her to her bed, mm-hmm. spread eagled. And he's um, hammered her, he sexually assaulted her and hammered her to death. Fucking hell. That made my toes curl. That's brutal. Yeah. Can you imagine not, not being able to even curl up in a ball? That's You're just terrible. there, just at his mercy entirely. That's, that needs to be in your medieval torture, I think. Yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't my it? My God. Um, yeah. And then he got, um, he got the cable from the alarm clock and sort of like strangled her with yeah. that. Um, he... He uh, he did the same thing to Florence, like he beat her and that kind of thing. But she did survive miraculously. Wow. Somehow she didn't wow. die. Um, but he drew he drew um, a pentagram on the back of the leg of Mabel because mm-hmm. they showed that on the documentary. You can see the poor lady's the back of her thigh. Mm-hmm. She's drawn a pentagram in red lipstick, and he drew it on their wall as well. And um, and then what he did? This is weird. In your words, you'd say sick puppy to this. He's finished killing, well, he thinks he's killed him, but he's finished, he's left mm-hmm. the sisters alone. And he goes to the fridge, he eats loads of food out the fridge, then he vomits it all over the kitchen floor. What the fuck? Then he gets so turned on by it, he goes in their living room and wanks in the living room. Oh. Like, just jizzes all over the carpet. Fuck that. If that's not insanity, I don't know what is. That is. Isn't that just a classic nut nut? That is completely crazy. What? Multiple migs out of um, <laughs> Science of the Lambs, John yeah. Bison gave him. It's I like, can't believe that. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That's really odd. Yeah. Really, really, really odd. So, um, um, at this point, there's a lady on the um, documentary, and she worked as a CSI, I think, during this period. Yeah. Her name's Linda Arthur. And um, she was having a pool party. She had some friends over, and mm-hmm. they went to bed about three in the morning or something like that. And about half an hour later, after she went to bed, one of her mates went, oh, I can hear your neighbour calling you. And she was like, um, the phone's in my bedroom. No one's calling me. She went, no, physically shouting your name. <laughs> so she's leaning out the window and her friend, her neighbour, just over the back, mm. is leaning out of her bedroom window going, could you help me? Can you call the police? I've been raped and no. robbed and I've been handcuffed to my bed. <gasps> so this lady, she, um, she'd like dragged the bed to the window and started just yelling my out the window God. to try and get 
Linda's um, attention. attention. Yeah, Linda called Gil, the detective, and told her, told him what's happened. And it's really put the wind up her because she's like, oh my God, this guy's this in my neighbourhood yeah. now. So, yeah. yeah, the police. No one's safe. Yeah, I think on that documentary, Gil's wife was on there saying like there was crimes happening not far from their neighbourhood, just a few blocks along and that. He was just starting to get a bit too close yeah. for comfort. I think maybe the police were getting quite famous because of this case and stuff. And Jesus. Yeah, so yeah, she'd been raped, robbed and handcuffed to her bed. Mm, and, um, yeah, so this is still in July. Yeah. Um, then we've got on the 7th of July, a lady called um, Joyce Nelson. Yeah. Sorry, did yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. say something? No, no, go on, carry on. Go Are you on, sure? Yeah, that's fine. So Joyce Nelson, 61-year-old, she's a gran, and her granddaughter is on the documentary talking yeah. about She's got really fond memories of her nan and stuff like oh. that. She said she was really independent. She lived on her own. She always had this fear of being raped for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, she always just had it in her mind that it was going to happen at some point and she yeah. had this fear. Yeah. Um, now, he, when he broke into Joyce's um, house, mm-hmm. he went to town on her. He viciously and violently beat her to death with his fists. Oh, no. But she fought back. There's crime scene pictures and, um, she, you know, she's got lots of um, defensive marks on her hands and oh, her nails are broken and things like that. So she fought him off and he did not rape her. Oh, really? Yeah. Because she's shown she ain't scared, maybe. Or are we past that, I think so. I think so. Defiance. He's not getting that sexual gratification yeah. of fear. She's just mad as fuck and she's like... Yeah. So, um, but Pure defiance, you know isn't what, it? Do you know what he did, though, when he's beaten her to death? Go on. He stamped on her face so fucking hard, he left a fucking avia shoe print on her face. You're joking no, me. No, so now they know that he's oh, done. Oh, he know he, they, The police know. Oh, look, there's that avia footprint on oh her face. Oh, my God. On her face. What an arsehole. Oh, my lordy. That's just disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Jesus Christ. Geezer's... Um, yeah, the the violence in him and the anger in yeah. him must be unbelievable. Yeah, he's crescendoing, yeah. isn't it? So I'm now on July 20th, 1985. Um, Richard's gone to a shop and uh, purchased a machete before stealing a Toyota. And he's um, stole this Toyota and he's driving to Glendale, California. And he's found a home of Leela Needing, and she's 66, and she shares this home with her husband, Maxon, 68. And what he does is he get, gets in, he bursts through the sleeping couple's bedroom, and he just goes to town with this machete case that he's just bought oh and just fucking hacks them up with this machete. So this is a new MO for him? Yeah, it is. He's just fucking he, he goes spiraling, isn't guns he? to... Anything. Just his feet. Yeah. Oh, and now he's got a machete. That crowbar thing. The hammer. Yeah. It's mad. So, yeah, he's just going to town with um, with his machete. And then he gets out his good old trusty twenty two caliber handgun and shoots them. So, make sure they're dead. Overkill. This mm. is overkill with her for I've heard it. But then what he, that goes on to do, he starts mutilating <laughs> his, their bodies with the same machete. Mm. So he's done, they're dead, and he's still fucking going at them. What is the matter with him? Mm. They're dead, leave him a fucking alone now. He's a massive cocaine addict oh, at this point, so yeah. that will have something to do with it. Yeah. So then he goes robbing the house of valuables, obviously to, I think... To buy more drugs, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, to buy yeah. more drugs. And then he... um. 
yeah, he drives to Sun Valley, California. And um, approximately 4.15 in the morning, he breaks into the home of Chen Chenarung and his family. He sleeps him in. Uh, he sleeps him. He <laughs> shoots him in the head while he's sleeping with the yeah. same twenty-five caliber, and it kills him instantly. So again, mm. he's gone back to that to get the man out of the picture first. Yeah, let's cut go, and then he repeatedly rapes and beats some kid, mm. the wife. He bounds the couple's eight-year-old son <sighs> before dragging the husband around to reveal the location. Sorry, I thought he was dead. That doesn't matter. Oh, so no, no, no. Sorry, he drags her around. the wife. Yes, yeah. yeah. so sorry. Drags her right round to f- say, Where, "Where's your stuff? Where's mm. your um, where's cash? Your valuables? Where's your valuables?" Mm. Um, yeah, and um, he's still like having a go at her in it, you know, while he's doing this and mm. during his assault, he demands that she swears to Satan mm. that she's not hiding any money or valuables from him. So she's now got to swear to Satan. Lover. So yeah, that's him for that one. Yeah, so I think around about this time as we get into August mm-hmm. eighty five, mm-hmm. he moves jurisdictions, he goes to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So he leaves LA, moves to San oh. Francisco. Um it's probably probably starting to get a bit too hot there. There's the composite sketches going Jesus round. Christ. Um you know, he's been literally like almost every other day on a rampage. Yeah, he's just, there's no... So he steals a car and he drives up. I've got a question for you. Are you seeing him as a cereal or a spray? I think it's a cereal. Yeah. Cereal. He definitely is a serial killer, mm-hmm. yeah. He is oh, a serial 100%, killer. but because he's done it yeah. in such a... Well, he started in 84. A year and a half, I think, he goes on for. Yeah, so it's definitely a series. And he would have carried on. It yeah. weren't just like a one-off, was it? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, let's let's see. This brings us up to August 85. There's a couple called Chris and Virginia Peterson. Mm-hmm. He breaks into their home mm-hmm. and he shoots both of them in the head. Chris and Virginia Peterson, they're quite young, able-bodied, mm-hmm. healthy, strong people. Mm-hmm. And even though they're both shot in the head, neither of them die. Oh, really? And Chris chases him. And the coward that he is, he runs away. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> so even though he's shot Chris Peterson in the head, yeah. Chris is like, come back here, you fucker, and just chase Jesus, him out of the house. while he's yeah. been shot in the head. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, so they both survive. He picked the wrong couple there. Yeah. He usually picks older people. I know he doesn't have an ego, yeah. but he does tend to pick vulnerable Older, yeah, but can't have him. Yeah. So I'm at the 8th of August, is that mm-hmm. right? 1985. Mm-hmm. So he drives a stolen car to Diamond Bar, California. So we're back in Kelly. And he chooses, chooses the home of Sakina. Mm-hmm. She's 27 and her husband, he's 31. And sometime after 2.30 in the morning, he enters the house and sneaks up, again stalking up to the master bedroom. He... Goes straight away again, kills the husband. So he's out of the way with the same gun. And then what he does, he handcuffs and beats her while forcing her to tell him where the family's jewellery and vulnerables are. And once she has, he then goes on to rape her. So Mm. he ain't finished with her. Do you know Mm. what I mean? So I think she most probably was hoping, Mm. oh, like, 
if I tell him, he'll just leave me alone. No, mm. it's not the case. So then he repeats on her, she needs to swear on Satan that she wouldn't scream mm. during his assaults. But then that makes me think he likes them screaming. He likes them scared. So why is he that changed all of a sudden? Perhaps they lived in a block of flats and they didn't want to raise the alarm yeah. or something. So what happens next is the couple's three-year-old son walks into the room. Mm. And what he does, oh, he ties the boy up, Kaz, yeah. in the room and then goes back to raping the mum in front of him. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. It makes me feel physically sick. So, but he doesn't kill her. Um, and as he leaves, the mum goes and t- unties her son and sent him to the neighbours to say, go and help us, like, we need help. Mm. Oh, so, yeah, I'm there at the minute. That's fucking vile, though, that one. Mm. don't like it. Yeah, so he's in San Francisco and he, um, this is like, like the middle of August time, mm-hmm. he breaks into the home of um, Peter and Barbara Pan. Mm-hmm. They're in their 60s, this couple. And um, I've seen a picture of their house. It looks like a really nice house, actually. Yeah. If you're a burglar, you'd expect to get some decent stuff out of there. Um, Peter gets shot in the head and killed immediately. Mm. Barbara, he rapes her and shoots her. Oh, God. And he's carved, he carves in the wall the words Jack the Knife and he carves a pentagram in the wall right. as well. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Also very strange. Um, 24th of August, 85. Mm-hmm. Um, we come to a man called Bill Carnes. Mm-hmm. He is 29 years old and he's living with his girlfriend, Inez Erickson. Mm-hmm. She's about the same age, I think they're so late 20s, early mm-hmm. 30s kind of thing. And... Um, he does survive, Bill. Oh, he really? survives. Inez, poor thing, she gets bound and repeatedly beaten and raped. Like he does a number on her. He doesn't kill her though. No. And at that point he says he says to Inez, I am the night stalker. So basically just <laughs> even though he's no longer in LA, yeah. just pointing out the night stalker's now in San Francisco. Yeah. So um, Fucking hell, Case. Yeah, they 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 call help, they go to hospital and Bill's in hospital and Inez is there by his side, which I thought was really brave of her. I think she's been through a horrific night yeah. herself, but she's there supporting him. Oh, God. he recovers from his injuries and stuff. Jeez Louise. Um, so, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff in the media at this point. You can mm-hmm. imagine people are really frightened. Mm-hmm. They're no, no longer leaving their windows and doors yeah. open. Fuck that. Everyone's terrified. The detectives are all over the news and mm-hmm. stuff. And... Um, I just made a little note to myself here that they all wear those serial killer aviators. <laughs> yes. They've all got them on. Yeah. I love them. They're so cool. Nice. Um, yeah, but at this point they disclose to the mayor. Yeah. There's a lady mayor mm-hmm. uh, called Diane Feinstein about the shoes that connects all of these yeah. crimes. Diane, she must have got her wires crossed. She didn't realise this was confidential information that only the police and the, the killer knew. Yeah. She goes on the record and she tells the press about the shoes. For fuck's sake. So I think at that point, Ramirez ditches the shoes and gets a new pair of shoes. Jesus, would you though? <laughs> My God. Yeah. Would so you? yeah, they, I think in the documentary, the police are fuming, didn't they? Yeah. And just like, I can't believe she did that. That is just <laughs> stupid, isn't it? Fucking stupid. Yes, it is. Um, around about this time, there's a little boy. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Um, what's he called? 
Sorry. It's James, right. James Romero, 13 year old. So he lives in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And him and his family just got back off holiday. They go to bed. Yeah. And um, he remembers he's left something in the car. He wants to go and get it out of the mm-hmm. car. So he goes outside, goes to let himself out. And he sees the fucking night stalker trying to break into their house. Oh, God. So he's like, Mum, Dad, someone's trying to break in. And the night stalker's fucked off. But James, even though he's only 13, he's had the presence of mind to take a note of the car. Yeah. So he tells police that it's a bright orange Toyota station wagon. And he remembers a little bit of the Mm -hmm. um, license plate. Ah, clever boy. So so this is really, this is a great clue. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that the car's stolen. They can't connect it to him. But they eventually do find the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fingerprint it and they find a partial fingerprint. Yeah. Now, the trouble is, back then in the 80s, they didn't have a fingerprint database that mm-hmm. you could just run the fingerprints through. No. They do What they needed was a comparison. So until they had a suspect, yeah. they couldn't... Yeah. That fingerprint was useless. Yeah. So what they do... They put a reward out, mm-hmm. and I think this is—I think this is where the mayor messes up. She's only meant to mention the reward, but she mentions the shoes as well. So they put out a reward to say, you know, and they've got the composite mm-hmm. sketch. They yep. know that he's got bad teeth. They know mm-hmm. that he wears area trainers. Anyway, so they get um, somebody phones in to say that they think the person they're looking for is their friend, who's called Rick, and wow. he lives down at the bus, the Greyhound bus station with him, with all yeah. the other like homeless people. Um, so, yeah, the police go and find this guy. They chat to him. Yeah. Oh, it sounds promising. He takes them to the pawn shop where um, they know that Rick fences mm-hmm. all the stuff that he nicks. Mm-hmm. And they find belongings in, in there that um, belong mm. to the, some of his victims. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a description of him. He wears this black ACDC cap. Mm-hmm. He's got rotten teeth. It's He wears a members only black members only jacket. Jeez. So it all ties up yeah. with all the, the survivors' descriptions yeah. of him. Um, so yeah, so that's come forward. So now they know this guy's name, their name is Rick. Yeah. They find out, the informant comes forward, August 8, late August well 85, yeah. and tells them his name, it's Richard Ramirez. Mm. So they run him, run him, and they find that they have got him in the system from his petty crimes before. Jeez. So they check that one fingerprint they found in the Toyota, thanks to lovely James. Mm-hmm. And it's him. Jesus. So now, well done, that little boy. Over to you, the capture. This yeah. is the exciting bit. So. Everything's <clears throat> falling into place. Rapidly. It is. So on the August the 29th, 1985, law enforcement decide to release the mugshot of Richard from 1984. And that was with his arrest for the Grand Theft Auto. So they had their face. They know who he is. And, um, yeah, they don't need the composite anymore. They've got his mugshot, no. haven't they? So they've got an actual photograph. Yeah. Excellent. And the police press said, we know who you are now and soon everyone else will. There's no place you can hide. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I'm yeah. like, it's gearing up now. So that was the 28th of August. Fuck knows, he must have been living in a hole for two days. Because on the 30th of August, 1985, Richard is on a bus going to visit his brother in Arizona. Mm. So um, he's completely unaware that his face has been released. He's completely unaware of the commotion that's happening, of him being this lead suspect in the case. So after failing to meet his brother because he wasn't in, now if one thing has, would you not ring your brother and say, I'm coming down from LA to Arizona, mm. make sure you're in? Yeah. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. So... um. Yeah, his brother wasn't in, so he decided just to go back to L.A. 
on one of them, I think it was the Greyhound buses. Mm. So he's still completely unaware of what's about about him. So he's back at LA's bus terminal and he exits the bus. But as he exits, he passes a few LAPD police officers. And what they're doing now is looking for anyone getting on a bus, not off a bus, Mm. on a bus, trying to leave LA. Because it's drummed so much commotion, they're expecting Richard to get on a bus and leave town. They're all undercover, aren't they? So they're not checking people that are coming off. And he's passed two officers, Kaz. That's madness to me. So he's come off and then he goes into a convenience shop. And he's standing there and he's noticed this group of older women looking at him and like they're pointing at him. (laughs) And then they start shouting, El Matador, Mm. meaning the killer. And he's like, what the fuck? Like proper panicking. And he takes a quick glimpse around the shop and he finds his face, face to face with his own, on a newspaper. His mugshot all over the front pages. Yeah. Mm. So he's panicked and he's fled and he's rung out of the shop as fast as he could. And he's running across the centre and our freeway. And he tries to carjack a woman. Mm. Um, but he's unsuccessful for this case because the bystanders are starting to grow commotion saying the killer, the matador. So the women have started this mm. lot in motion. Yeah. And these base, basically bystanders start to give chase to him. And so he's running, failed to carjack, mm. and he's jumped over. Offence, or started to get through just to get away from this crowd that started to chase him. So he tries twice more in vain to um, carjack two more vehicles in the hope of fleeing. But as he's got into one of these uh, vehicles, a man and his sons approached him, and this man's literally realised who he was. Got this, oh god, Jack, mm. like the big heavy carjacks, and belted him over the head. Yeah. And then that's obviously causing a commotion. Everyone's screaming this community shouting. Mm. It's fucking brilliant to see because you're like, oh, my God, how have they done this? Yeah. This community, and it's growing, Kaz, as well. So it started off by five. It's building, building, building. And, yeah, so what happens is, I'm so sorry, I'm getting so excited. I've um, <laughs> kind of come off of it. So, yeah, eventually he was decided by a group of residents. They held him down and beat him relentlessly. Mm. Completely until the uh, until the police showed up and arrested him. The crowd had grown over to seven uh, several hundred people, and it was all down on a street called Hubbard Street. Mm. So that's a lot of people holding him down and making sure he ain't getting away and just waiting for the police. Mm. Imagine being now. I just can't believe. He, I think him fucking good riddance. Do you know what I mean? He's getting what he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so at this time, I'm so sorry, the police have got him, they've arrested him. And now he's waiting in custody for his trial. So the jury selection for this trial happened on the 22nd of July, 1988, three years after his capture. Mm. So um, this is where the infamous photo comes from. Richard puts his palm up. And he has the pentagram on his palm. Yeah, I've seen that picture. And he shouts, hell, Satan. <laughs> There's a rumour that Richard, yeah, so Richard was planning on um, shooting a prosecutor and that he was going to smuggle in a gun. So mm. this has been told by another prisoner. And I think this prisoner might have wanted a bit of um, leeway on his own sentence, let's just say that. So he's then said he's going to smuggle in this gun 
and shoot the prosecutor. Sorry. So this is when they had metal detectors fitted on entry. So he couldn't smuggle any. I thought that was Mm. quite clever. Yeah. So by August the 14th, the uh, the trial was held. But, yeah, so it was held, sorry. The trial wasn't going forward because a member of the jury, a Phyllis Singletree, was found shot to death at a home case. Mm -hmm. So the jury's terrified that it was going to be, they're going to be next. Richard's somehow got someone on the outside come after her Mm -hmm. and shoot her. And they're all panicked. So they're all like, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to need police, like, what's the word? Looking at surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. But it turns out it was um, Phyllis's, uh, Phyllis was shot by a boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. And he committed suicide with the same gun at a hotel near Bass. It was nothing to do with Richard. Yeah. But I think being in that case, you're going to obviously think that, aren't you? Of course you will. Yeah. So on September the 20th, 1989, Richard was convicted of 43 charges, 13 counts of murder, five accounts of attempted murder, 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries. He was sentenced to death by the gas chamber. So he was reported saying, I hate this one. Big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. <laughs> this was the most expensive trial in history, Kaz, oh, wow. until OJ in 95. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we are there. And then, um, I'm so sorry, while he's doing his trial and all that, you've got the same kind of um, widows, death row widows. Is that what they call them? Like, yeah. writing in, like, mm. loving him up. As you said, he was a... He got some fans. Yeah, he got some fans. Um, yeah, so um, he, I think, sorry, he married one of his fans in October the 3rd, 1996. And so, yeah, he married, what was her name? Doreen Loy, sorry. So she was writing to him and apparently 75 letters if mm. she wrote to him. So um, he didn't actually get to the gas chamber though, which I'm fucking fuming about. <laughs> He died of secondary B-cell lymphoma um, in California on June the 7th, 2013. Not that long ago. Yeah, he was in death row for a fucking long time, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he said he'd been affected by a chronic substance abuse and chronic hepatitis C viral infection. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I hope it hurt. Yeah, I hope it was painful. <laughs> I, I hope he choked to death. Fucking... Just right. to, just to touch on a couple of bits about Doreen, mm-hmm. Doreen Loy, she was a reporter. So you know, you just think like, what are these women like that fall in love with? Yeah, convicted, but she believed he was innocent. So that's how she reconciled it in her mind that she was in love with um, Peach, please, in love with a, a convicted serial oh. killer, like rapist, child rapist. You know, he's he's Fuck one me. of the most twisty people on earth. But yeah. she didn't think she thought it. It was a case of mistaken identity, and he hadn't done it. And she really loved him. And there's a little clip of her just after she got married as a newlywed and she's beaming. She's like the blushing bride. Fuck me. (laughs) However, 2009 rolls around. DNA testing is all the rage. Mm -hmm. And they link, um, like unequivocally, Mm -hmm. they link Richard Ramirez with the death of nine-year-old Mei Ling. Mm. And she divorces him. Suddenly the clouds lift and she's like, oh my God, he, he did actually do it. I'm surprised there wasn't well, DNA lifted from any of his other crime scenes, actually, because obviously... He jizzed all over the carpet, Kaz. He jizzed all over the carpet, so 
But perhaps they didn't need to because they had the shoe to connect him. Yeah. So he was convicted anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if she wanted proof, she could have paid for a DNA test on that jizz. And yeah, I'm not <laughs> laughing, but I'm thinking they're like a fucking dog with a bone with the shoe. Drop the shoe and fucking go with the jizz. <laughs> Aren't it? <laughs> fucking hell. Now, so now he's young, free, single, ready to mingle oh. in 2009. And he gets engaged to a 23-year-old woman called what Christine Lee. Fuck? Who's the writer? What the fuck? So, yeah. So, it didn't put Christine off. He must She's have like, some sort of like... Christine head. is like, I'm getting in there. <laughs> She's on my carpet. No, sorry. <laughs> there's a there's a new serial killer out and about on Tinder. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, the, he must have some charisma about him. I didn't read anything describing him personally, did you? Well, when I saw pictures of him and mm. video footage of him when he's in court, mm-hmm. he looks really attractive. Yeah. He reminded me of a young... Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah. Even in court, he wore dark sunglasses and a really sharp, skinny fitting suit. Yeah. And he did look the nuts. Did I he mean, have moves like Jagger. But he hadn't had his teeth done then. I think as soon as he opened his mouth, you're yeah. like, oh, no, he's gross. But when he was in prison, I think um, he did see the prison dentist and he got all his teeth sorted mm. So when I saw the documentary he was on, he was chatting on an interview. His yeah. teeth looked all right again. They weren't, they weren't bad anyway. Well, I can't understand. He's got to have something about him, though. To make these people, women, think that he's innocent, he's got to have some sort of chat about him. Well, all they know about him is what they've read, isn't it, in the yeah. paper? It's not like they meet him. They can't. He's in prison. So they just obviously, some women just like it, don't they? Yeah. They're probably a bit turned on by it or something. Oh. Or maybe they've got their own issues to deal with. Yeah. Hmm. Who yeah. knows? But yeah, I mean, he what didn't marry Christine Lee, but he was engaged to her when he died of cancer. Wow. Um, I've written just a little question to myself, so I'll throw it out to you listeners and to you, Lauren. I've got an equation. Do drugs, do drug abuse plus violent fantasies mm-hmm. plus abuse mm-hmm. as a child, does that, does that three things equal serial killer? Are you making another triad up? I just think that's a perfect storm yeah. for the outcome of him. Yeah. I didn't add here the head trauma as well because he had the head trauma mm-hmm. as well. Because obviously, like we said, his siblings were never on the right side of the law. Yeah. But they didn't have the coma. Well, not the coma, no. but they didn't have the concussions as far as we know. No. So maybe that. But Added he, um, yeah, he, um, his official diagnosis was a sociopath. Oh. Um, and a sociopath, they are able to form bonds with specific individuals because he was really close to his mum. Mm hmm. Um, Unlike a psychopath, mm-hmm. um, but they don't have any remorse. So I wonder if well, maybe their head trauma may have uh, brought on brought the sociopathic that, yeah. tendencies. He probably had all the criminal tendencies anyway because of his upbringing and whatnot. Surely, for you saying that, that's Fred Rester as well because he was very yeah. close to Rose. Yeah. But he had no remorse. Very attached to Rose. Yeah. So I think he was a sociopath yeah. as well. Exactly the same yeah. kind of pattern of behaviour. Definitely. Yeah. So um, Well done. Yeah, that was his official diagnosis, sociopath. Wow. And I hope to God I never cross paths with one. No, I agree. I can Dangerous people. Yeah. So, should we play a game? Let's go for it. Let's lift this baby up. Let's lift this baby up on our penultimate episode. It's gone so quick again. It's been a fucking fab series. Yeah, it's really cool. It's nice having a little bit of structure. Oh, I loved it. So we're going to go for Meet, Marry, Murder, aren't we? We yep. decided we'd play today. Yeah. And we've picked three people out from the um, case this mm-hmm. week. We've gone for, obviously, Richard Ramirez, his cousin, Miguel slash Mike. And we've gone for Anton DeVay, the um, satanic founder. <laughs> the, <laughs> the founder, founder, of, the founder the of the Church of Satan. Jeez. <laughs> 
All right. so funny. Do you want to go first? Well, when I read the name Anton DeVay, I just thought, I bet he's actually called Tony Smith or something. <laughs> and he's just gone you all a little bit I fancy. Anton DeBeck. Yeah, Anton DeBeck. <laughs> exactly, the, the ballroom dancer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Anton DeVay, the founder of the Church of Satan. Well, we'll have to marry him and be Satanists because I don't want to marry the other two. Yeah, oh God, I didn't even think about who I wanted to marry. I know I want to murder Mike. I really want to murder Mike. Do you? Yeah, I can't bear with what he done in Vietnam. It just it is awful. But yeah. I think Richard's worse because of the you? kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, because of the kids. It's true. I would kill him slowly. <laughs> Fucking slow. Use it, all that medieval yeah. torture. He'd be wearing those damn thumb thumb screws. That's oh, for sure. On his testicles. <laughs> He would, I'm telling you. Well, we'd get two pairs. One yeah. for his thumbs, one for his bollocks. Yeah, have that. Maybe maybe three pairs. We'll think of other places, yeah. toes. Oh, listen, everywhere. He's <laughs> having it. He's going to be covered in them. It'll be death by thumb screws. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd like to meet Richard Ramirez. Really? Yeah, have a chat with him. See what it is, why women fall in love with him. And yeah, just talk to bit. him about it. I'd like to I'd like to find out what he's thinking. Because like you say, his MOs and stuff were so mm. fucking random. Really odd. It'd really, be, really odd. It would be good to have a chat with him about that, mm. I think. It, it, yeah, there's just... Being as I can't kill both of them, one of them has got, I've got to meet. Well, the cancer does get Richard. Is Mike still alive, do we know? No, he died. I think oh, he, they're both but he died with full military honours. You're joking. No, he had a proper gun salute and everything when he You're died. You're joking. Mm, no, I'm not joking. He never paid for the crimes Fuck he committed me. in Vietnam or really the crime of killing his wife in front of their children. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like, it does make you think a lot of young men come back from Vietnam completely broken mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they didn't do anything to mend them. So yeah. maybe instead of, instead of punishing and they just was like, Let's just brush it, brush it under the carpet. Yeah. Eventually, they will all die out and it yeah. will all just be a blip in history that yeah. hopefully everyone will forget about because there was a fucking lot of atrocities. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, terrible. Absolutely awful. The whole thing from top to bottom. So bad. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I'd have to marry this, <laughs> marry into the Church of Satan. Let's go for it. That'd be interesting. Be a what, good wedding. What does a wedding look like in the Church of Satan? I want to say a black dress. Yeah. <laughs> Horns Would you have horns instead, instead of a veil? Yeah. yeah. Or a black veil. Yeah. We like yeah. a theme. Yeah, so we both agree on that, but we, yeah. we disagree on who we'd yeah. marry and who we'd murder. Yeah. Uh, sorry, who we'd meet. So you'd want to meet Mike, would you? Yeah, but only so I could murder him. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. You can't I break know, the rules. I know. So, yeah. I know. I just I don't like neither of them. No, it's a tough one these they're, days. They're both, they're both nasty piece of work, but I really don't like Mike. No. And I think Mike... It was a massive, massive contributing factor into how Richard turned yeah, out as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think yes. he should... And he never got... Like I say, he never... At least Richard was banged up for 30 yeah, years on death row, which nothing. isn't going to be yeah. easier. I mean, that's fucking horrible. So he got punished for a really long mm-hmm. time. Mike didn't get sod all. all. Yeah. He got away with it scot-free. So yeah, he's definitely on my hit list, Mike. Am I, am I changing your mind? Am I yeah, you are. You are talking <laughs> me into it. Sorry. No, you're right. Yeah, but... Fuckers. Yeah, they're both... Bloody nightmares. So, Stupid um, little pricks. <laughs> yeah, should we leave it on that? Yeah. Stupid little prick called Rick. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike. Well, thanks for listening, uh, listeners, Thank both of you. you. <laughs> Maybe there's three now. <laughs> a handful. Yeah, a handful. Yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this one. I know it's been a long one, but there's so much to cover in there, Lauren. Oh, we yeah. Thought there's no point trying to get no. over it. We need to go in depth and everything. We do. So, and it's um, a good case. It's yeah. a really good case. It's very interesting. It is. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. We really, I know I say it all the time, but from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate every single listen, every single download. 
and um join us over at patreon if you can yeah we will we'll, we'll see you next week <laughs> for our last episode yes same time bye bye, bye.